There's a fascinating moment in the unfolding story of the plagues that should make us stop and take notice. Seven plagues have now struck Egypt. The people are suffering. Several times Pharaoh seems to soften, only to harden his heart again. During the seventh plague, hail even seems to admit his mistake. It says Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. But as soon as the plague is over, he changes his mind. He and his officials, said the Torah, hardened their hearts. And now Moses and Aaron have come to tell him about the next plague, potentially devastating plague of locusts. That, they say, will devour all the grain left after the hail as well as the fruit of the trees. And for the first time, we hear something we haven't heard before. Pharaoh's own advisers tell him he's making a mistake. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Don't you realize that Egypt is ruined? Those words immediately transform the situation. Let me explain how. Back in 1984, the historian Barbara Tuckman published a famous book called The March of Folly. In it, she asked the great question, how is it that throughout history, intelligent people have made foolish decisions that were damaging both to their own position and to the people they were supposed to lead? By this, she didn't mean decisions that in retrospect proved to be the wrong ones. Anyone can make that kind of mistake. That's the nature of leadership and of life itself. We're called on to make decisions under conditions of uncertainty. With the wisdom of hindsight, we can see where we went wrong because of factors we didn't know about at the time. That is not worthy of attention. What Barbara Tuckman was talking about were the decisions people could see at the time were the wrong ones. There were warnings and they were ignored. One example she gives is the famous one of the wooden horse of Troy. The Greeks had laid siege to Troy unsuccessfully for ten years. Eventually they appeared to give up and sail away, leaving behind them a giant wooden horse. The Trojans enthusiastically hauled it inside the city as a symbol of their victory. Now, as we know, inside the horse were 30 Greek soldiers who that night came out of hiding and opened the city gates for the Greek army that had sailed back under cover of night. It was a brilliant ploy. But Laocoon, the Trojan priest, had guessed that it was a plot. And he warned his people in the famous words, I fear the Greeks even when they come bearing gifts. His warning was ignored and Troy fell. Another of Tuckman's examples is the papacy in the 16th century, which had become corrupt financially and in other ways. There were many calls for reform, but the popes ignored them. The Vatican regarded itself, like some financial institutions today, as just too big to fail. The result was, of course, the Reformation and more than a century of religious war throughout Europe. That is the context in which we should read the story of Pharaoh and his advisers. This is one of the first recorded instances of the march of folly. How does it happen? Some years ago, DreamWorks Studio made a cartoon film about 
Moses and the Exodus, called Prince of Egypt. The producer, Jeffrey Katzenberg, invited me to see the film, which was about half complete at the time, just to see whether I felt that it was a responsible and sensitive way of telling the story, which I thought it was. What fascinated me was the way Pharaoh is portrayed, not as an evil man, but as a deeply conservative one charged with maintaining what was already the longest-lived empire of the ancient world and not allowing it, as it were, to be undermined by change. Let slaves go free and who knows what will happen next. Royal authority will have seemed to be defeated. A fracture would appear in the political structure. The seemingly unshakable edifice of power will be seen to have been shaken. And that, for those who fear change, is the beginning of the end. Under those circumstances, it's possible to see why Pharaoh would refuse to listen to his advisers. They were weak, in his view, defeated, giving in to pressure. And any sign of weakness in leadership only, meets, only leads to more pressure and more capitulation. Better be strong and continue to say no and just endure one more plague. We tend to see Pharaoh as both wicked and foolish, because we've read the book. His advisers could see clearly that he was leading his people to disaster, but he may well have felt that he was just being strong while they were being merely fearful. Leadership is only easy, and its errors only clearly visible in retrospect. Yet Pharaoh remains an enduring symbol of the march of folly, a failure to listen to his own advisers. He couldn't see that the world had changed, that he was facing something new, that his enslavement of a people was no longer tolerable, that the old magic no longer worked, that the empire over which he was presiding was growing old, and that the more obstinate he became, the closer he was to bringing his people to tragedy. Knowing how to listen to advice, how to respond to change, and when to admit you've got it wrong, remain three of the most difficult tasks of leadership. But rejecting advice, refusing to change, and refusing to admit you're wrong may look like strength to some, but usually they're the beginning of yet another march of folly. Shabbat Shalom.